All right. Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation at Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Friday, June 2nd, 2021, and we are going to continue our catechesis today in the book of Acts, now Acts chapter 15, verses 22, so the second half of the Jerusalem Council. It's good to see you you all check in. I see Grace, Chris, Gus and Eileen, Don and Karen, and uh, yeah, a hymn of glory, let us sing. It's one of those, um, I want to say it's a generic praise anthem, but it's one that fits throughout the entire church year, including the summer, Um, but it it also has some specificity, uh, which makes it better than some of the more generic hymns um, that don't really speak of Christ all that clearly, whereas that hymn does. So I agree with you. And uh, it's the hymn of the day uh, in Easter sometime, if I remember correctly. Okay, very good. Let's get the devotion up on the screen. Oh, one more thing before I begin. Um, I think everyone who's currently watching live already knows this, but if you watch this later in the day, one of the things I'd encourage you to do is if you're watching on Facebook to go like our page and make sure the notifications are turned on. Um, There's a video in the weekly email that explains how that works. Um, Be sure to do that so you get a notification um, on your in your browser or on your uh, phone device if you have one of those and you have Facebook installed. If you're watching on YouTube it's even easier. You click the subscribe button down below and you click the little bell next to it and make sure you say all. Uh, and that way you'll always get notification when we go live. I try to make sure, you know, I have a hymn or um, some other sacred music before we begin that gives you time um, to uh, respond to the notification and for the notification to go through. Sometimes it's delayed a little bit so that you don't miss the devotion. So if you haven't already subscribed, go do that. So that way you get notified uh, one way or another. And uh, I've mentioned this before, but uh, uh, we're still seeing some pretty significant mm, censorship I should say, or at least uh, it's kind of passive-aggressive censorship where there's warnings of pla- placed on videos, uh, even ones like ours. And so um, you'll probably see us added, adding another platform. I've been evaluating different ones um, that will be, um, that's more decentralized and doesn't require us to submit ourselves to um, the uh, censor, uh, well, those censors that these larger platforms are now employing um, to try to control speech rather than just simply uh, prevent um, hateful or harmful speech. All right. So watch for that. Um, hopefully long term we can move away from both Facebook and YouTube onto something that is going to be more uh, free. All right. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our reading for our verse for this week, I should say, we say together, 
Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12, verses 17 through 18. And our psalm this week is Psalm 119, now Tate and Yod. Um, that's verses 65 through 80. Say it with me. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your just decrees are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me, according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me, that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame, because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me, that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes, that I may not be put to shame. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from Romans chapter 7. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members, to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity, by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, just and Good. All right. 
Um, so the second half of that reading is probably quite familiar to you. Um, I've talked about it at length just to remind people that the more laws you make, um, the more people fall under their accusation, right? Um, that it, ac- it increases sin um, to have more laws. I'm, I'm what you would say politically a libertarian, not meaning that uh, we are free from the law entirely, um, but that we should be uh, cognizant of not being too legalistic as, uh, you know, in a secular sense. In, in both in our household, um, in, our, in our congregations, in our communities, in our nation, in our world. The more laws, um, typically the more rebellion you will see, right? So we want to stick uh, to those laws that are necessary, right? And, and typically, for us as Christians, we would see those most revealed, I would say, in the Ten Commandments, for example. All right. Um, that's the second half. The first half, though, is beautiful, right? Because we're talking about, um, we have kind of a conflation of two images, one that he expands in a few, or actually condenses in Ephesians 5, which is that we um, are joined to Christ as his holy bride, right? Um, But here we're talking about that marriage being a kind of death, right? Death to the old life. And where there is death, then we're no longer bound um, to that which uh, we were bound to as slaves, you know, as we heard previously in chapter 6, now uh, likened to a marriage, right? So when her husband dies, the woman is set free from the marriage, right? In the same way. Um, when, when, uh, we die <laughs> and then rise in Christ, we die to the law. And he'll expand that more later in chapter seven. All right. And now reading from Acts chapter 15. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Good so far. All right. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your soul, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So they were sent off, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over it, its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. There ends the reading. Okay, put it on the screen there. I think I can get it on. Yeah, there we go. 
So some catechesis on this text. To uh, whom did the Jerusalem council send to Antioch? Remember, that's where Paul and Barnabas had been. Uh, who did they send with a letter? All right, we've got four characters now. Paul and Barnabas are going to go back along with Judas and Silas. All right, so uh, we have the witness of two being joined to the previous witness that they had. What's made clear in verse 24? Now, those who came preaching the circumcision, that you must be circumcised and keep the law, had no such command from the apostles. All right, so they're acting on their own accord outside of the apostolic witness. What do the apostles and elders then recognize about uh, Paul and Barnabas? This is pretty cool. It's right here in verse 26. They risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We've already heard the, the uh, uh, witness of St. Luke recording that for us previously. Paul being beaten and being in prison, for example, with Barnabas. Okay. Um, what's the odd thing that is said in verse 28? It might sound odd to you. Right here at the beginning. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now, how can they invoke um, the Holy Spirit? How can the Holy Spirit be invoked in such a way? All right. Well, maybe. No, it it does. <laughs> I suppose it's a little dangerous to say the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, right? Um, but anytime Jesus speaks by way of his word, it is the Spirit living and active at work. All right, so it is proper to say, here's what God has revealed to you, to me by the Spirit, right? And then to actually um, teach the text that's been set before us, God's own word. Um, think about what happened, though, back in chapter 11, just to give you an example. If therefore God gave them, that is the Gentiles, the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was, was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent. They glorified God, saying this. Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. All right. So it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, meaning I think they're referring here back to those events in chapter 11, right? When God worked through the apostolic preaching to pour out his spirit on the Jews and the Gentiles alike. That's what he's referring to. All right. What necessary things does the Jerusalem church place upon the Gentiles? Talked about this later, right? But we'll talk about it more today. All right. We've got a few things here. Abstaining from things offered to idols, uh, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. All right. So we got four things there, I think, right? Yeah. One, two, three, four. Uh, okay. So let's go through each of these. What's the background, do you think, um, of not for abstaining from things offered to idols. All right. Well, for this, uh, you might go back to our Bible study on 1 Corinthians. We, we covered this at length uh, when we went through that book in our evening, Wednesday evening Bible study, um, which is available on YouTube, of course, easily found there under uh, Catechesis, that uh, playlist. But anyway, uh, 1 Corinthians 8, for example, Paul says, However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol, until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we better 
the better, nor if we do not eat, are we the worse. But beware lest someone, somehow this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you, you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weaker brother perish, for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Right? And he's not talking about being a vegetarian. He's talking about your brother um, refer, referring here specifically to meat sacrificed to idols. That is in pagan temples. Um, he talks about it more um, in 1 Corinthians 10. Right? So a couple chapters later, he really ramps it up actually quite a bit. So the, the first teaching is a little bit easier to uh, accept. The second teaching is even more strident. Uh, so I'll read this to you. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat this of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we pr- provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but, let, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you, and for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and of all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. All right, so a lot of reading there, um, but that's the backstory of this. Uh, some would argue that the, f- um, the letter to the church of Corinth actually predates uh, the, book, the writing of the book of Acts. So you might see here uh, Paul's uh, testimony. And of course, Peter had a similar vision in um, regards to participation with the Gentiles, uh, but not with idolatry. And this is the key, right? So notice what Paul did. Um, well, just to summarize, maybe the pagans believed that the eating of meat sacrificed at the altar of idols was part of the worship of that God and strengthened them, right? That's what they believed. Some Christians worried that this involved them in the worship of pagan gods and was a sin against Christ. Of course, they didn't realize that the Creator had given all these things from his hand and that the idols were not real. But, as Paul said, for the sake of conscience, if, you're, uh, if they, it's offered to you and they say this was offered to, to the idols, then you must not eat of it um, so as to not uh, 
for your own conscience sake, but also that you, especially that you don't burden their conscience or somehow give a nod or a wink um, to the reality of their pagan god. Right? So it becomes a confession of faith then at that point. Right? And this is, uh, by extension, why Christians do not um, eat and drink at altars that confess something contrary to what God's word says. Right? So you don't commune um, at other altars, you commune at the altar where God's word is preached uh, right, rightly, all right? and nowhere else. Uh, why would they abstain from the blood? All right, so that's the second point. Again, I got to get give you some backstory on this one. Why abstain from the blood? All right, so they didn't drink the blood. Well, first think of Genesis nine. Um, this is uh, God's instruction to Noah. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air." On all that move on the earth and of all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hand. Every moving thing that moves or that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as green herbs. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of, of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. All right, so... From Noah forward, no drinking of the animal's blood for, as he said there, um, its life is in its blood. All right. Um, and then this ha is reiterated in Leviticus 17. So where is that? Yeah. And whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood, and I will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for your soul. Therefore I said to the children of Israel, No one among you shall eat blood, nor shall any stranger who dwells among you eat blood. All right. So that's the Old Testament mandate, right? And so while it was forbidden by Jewish law, this provision here, I think, is probably more likely just to refer to certain pagan practices that regarded the taking of blood by itself as a way of strengthening uh, through the partaking of a life of another, right? Um, so think of uh, vampires, <laughs> for example, right, which is a pagan myth, uh, where the vampires would drink the blood of another and kind of take their life force, if you like, all right? Um, and of course, I in, in a, a twist, the blood that, that God does want us to drink, of course, is the blood of his only son, which does have life in it, not death, right? Where the blood of the animals died, and, so, and thus its blood is also brings death. Whereas Christ is risen from the dead, and so his blood brings life. All right? And it's a spiritual drinking, of course. All right, why abstain from things strangled? That one's a little bit more challenging, perhaps. We don't have an Old Testament text for this. Um, but I think it's, again, referring to, to pagan rituals that, um, that Christians should renounce, just like we talked about uh, from 1 Corinthians, not, 1 Corinthians 10, not drinking of the cup or partaking of the cup of demons along with the cup of the Lord. Um, in a strangled animal, the blood was retained in its body for consumption, right? So it was killed without the draining of blood. So you would also have, you would also have it going against this, the, second, um, uh, the second abstaining here of the blood. 
Um, interesting um, side note, and I don't know if it has anything to do with this, but uh, uh, I once I saw a video about the uh, fishing for tuna, right? So they bring the tuna into the boat, and the highest value tuna is the tuna where they, where they actually calm the fish down quite a bit. And then they use um, some kind of bolt gun, like right, right by the eye, um, to kill the fish instantly, as fast, you know, basically as fast as they can after they've um, they've massaged the fish and they've kind of calmed it down on the on the boat dock. Because what happens with tuna is that when they're brought um, into shock, um, you know, and that would be through like strangling, right? You can't really strangle a tuna, but if you could, um, they actually release a toxin into um, their flesh, and then that toxin actually makes the the meat lower quality, but also doesn't taste as good, right? So they, they rather than um, have a torturous death, they actually bring a swift um, death. And I think that might be the same with other animals too. You might know that. Um, there's a violence attached to strangling an animal as well, um, which I think uh, is not necessary, right? So there's, that's maybe why the pagans would do that. All right, and then sexual immorality, why? Again, all four of these are related to pagan worship. All right, so sexual immorality was part of the worship of many pagan deities. They would actually have temple prostitutes, right? People who employed by the temple as prostitutes. Um, and that's one of the ways they would worship their, their false deities in these religious festivals. Um, this is still the case in places like India, in the Hindu temples, for example. Um, now, in uh, Roman society, so the society that these Jews, now Christians, live in, um, sexual immorality was treated pretty casually in much of Roman society. So, um, you know, same-sex relationships were, were no big deal. Um, relationships with, uh, you know, and, and rape and incest and all sorts of things, not a, not a big deal. Um, the key, <laughs> the only thing that was prohibited um, by Roman law is to fail to bring um, legitimate offspring. All right, so you had a duty to the state to bear sons, especially, and daughters. Um, and everything else that you did, yeah, as long as it didn't really hurt anybody or it was, I don't even think it had to be consensual, right? Uh, so it's a very different society. Maybe we, maybe we're moving more towards a Roman society today, a very pagan society. Uh, of course there's Old Testament stories with people worshiping false gods by engaging in sexual immorality. Um, some of these you might not have thought about too much, uh, because tends to be diminished in the telling of the um, Sunday school story. So for example, with the golden calf, it's actually euphemistic here. Tomorrow is the feast to the Lord, Aaron said. And then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings, brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. All right. So rose up to play. That's the euphemism uh, for sexual immorality. There in that account. Um, and the, of course, you have the eating and drinking to pagan uh, to these demons as well. All right. So that's really a background story for 1 Corinthians uh, 8 and especially chapter 10. You see it again in Numbers 25. Um, this is even much more um, ele- uh, obvious, I should say. Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove and the people began to commit harlotry. Well, there you go with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. All right, so you have harlotry and idolatry all bound up together here. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor through their harlotry, right, and their false sacrifices. 
and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. So that's in Numbers chapter 25. I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter. Uh, it doesn't go well for Israel because of their idolatry there and their sexual immorality. All right, so the key here is all four of these have to do with pagan or false worship. All right. Uh, what, ha- what was the reaction of Antioch then to this letter? They delivered the letter, and when they read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. All right. Uh, now, what prophets are mentioned here in verse 32? Yeah, those two that were mentioned earlier, right? Judas, who was named Barsabbas, and also Silas, right? They're named to hear as prophets, meaning preachers. And what do they do? Do what preachers do. They preach God's word. They exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. Uh, who then rema- remains in Antioch? All right, Barnabas and Paul, as well as Silas, we see here, preaching the word of the Lord. And others also, unnamed, apparently. Good. Meditation on this text. The Jerusalem Council acknowledged that the Gentiles need not be circumcised, but it also addressed the issue of communion with other religions through the consumption of foods and blood used in the worship of pagan deities. Although all foods are made clean, as Peter's vision indicated, the church wisely counseled the Gentile converts to refrain from participation in every kind of pagan ritual. Thus, the prohibitions against drinking blood and the eating of strangled animals were first commandment issues. Sexual immorality is clearly forbidden by the sixth commandment, but it had its roots in idolatry, sin against the first commandment. The eating of rare meat is no longer closely related to worship of pagan deities in our culture as it was in the ancient Roman world. It remains very important, however, that we continue to exhort believers to avoid sexual immorality that is rampant even among the baptized, as they divorce, live a together outside of marriage, and speak of marriage in a negative way. Here our world is no different from the Greek culture, and we must again be called to faithful marriages, even as our heavenly bridegroom is faithful to us. And we saw that again back in Romans 7 as well. So the key here again is conscience, not only your conscience, but the conscience uh, of those around you. confusing topic. Yes, I'm glad to provide some clarification there. And then uh, tomorrow, we'll go on Paul's second missionary journey. Let's confess our catechism for this week, which is the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. We pray, Heavenly Father, lead us out of temptation. Guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On this Friday, we we pray uh, for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for its spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted, and for the sick and dying. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray in Thanksgiving today with Graydon, who celebrates his birthday. We pray 
For those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Jeremy, Kelsey, Amanda, John, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy, Ken, and Kaylee, our homebound Bev, David, Roy, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey, and our mission of the month, Compassion International. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the collects for this week. O Lord, grant that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by your governance that your church may joyfully serve you in all godly quietness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Today is the day that the church celebrates the visitation, um, a feast day of the Lord, and uh, celebrated on different days, depending on if you're on the one-year or the three-year lectionary. This is the day that we celebrate it as uh, those who recognize the one-year lectionary. John the Baptizer and Jesus, the two great figures of salvation history, now come together in the visit of Elizabeth or to Elizabeth by the Virgin Mary, Luke 1.39, both of whom conceive their children under miraculous circumstances. Thus John is brought into the presence of Jesus while they are still in their mother's wombs. This presence of the Lord causes a response by the child, John, as he leaps in Elizabeth's womb. John's response to the presence of Jesus, the Messiah, foreshadows John's own role as forerunner. Already now, a new creation is beginning, and a baby still in the womb hails the new creation's inception. Foreshadowed in John's leap are the miracles of Jesus, who will cause all creation to leap at his presence. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. Luke 7. The incarnate presence of the Messiah also evokes a response from Elizabeth, who proclaims Mary's blessedness. Mary's Magnificat provides the theological significance of this meeting as Mary sums up her place in salvation history. Mary's song is a hymn to God for his gracious gifts to the least in this world whom he has lifted out of lowliness solely because of his grace and mercy. We pray. Almighty God, you chose the Virgin Mary to be the mother of your son and made known through her your gracious regard for the poor and lowly and despised. Grant that we may receive your word in humility and faith, and so be made one with Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Good. We sing our hymn for this week, Entrust Your Days and Burdens.
entrust your days and burdens to God's most loving hand. He cares for you while rolling the sky, the sea, the land. For he who guides the tempest along the thunderous ways will find for you a pathway and guide you all your days. Rely on God your Savior and find your love secure. Make his work your foundation that your work may endure. No anxious thoughts, no worry, no self-tormenting care. And when your Father's Spirit, and do not be dismayed. God helps in every trial and makes you unafraid. Await his time with patience, the darkest hours of night. Until the sun you hoped for delights your eager sight. Leave all to his direction, his wisdom rules for you. His ways to rouse your wonder at all his love can do. Soon he his promise keeping with wonder-working powers will banish with your spirit what gave you troubled hours. Blessed heir of heaven, you'll hear the song resound of endless jubilation when you with life are crowned. In your right hand, your maker will place the victor's ball. And you will thank him gladly with heaven's joyful song. Our hands and feet, Lord, strengthen with joy our spirits bless until we see the end. Oh, 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 oh.
Very good. That concludes our congregation prayer for today, July 2nd, 2021. If you didn't catch the announcement at the beginning, now I remind you, if you haven't already subscribed to us on either Facebook um, or on YouTube, be sure to do that. Make sure you turn on the notifications in either place or both places, um, so that way you are reminded when we go live. We're also on Twitch, and I think Twitch's um, subscriptions work a little bit more, or notifications work a little bit more promptly. Um, so if you want to watch on Twitch, you can do that. It's primarily used for gaming, but uh, there are talk shows on there, and that's what we are. Um, and like I said at the beginning, we'll probably be adding another platform. It's down to two um, that offer the the features that I want. Um, I'm just trying to find one that's decentralized so that we don't end up with a speech issue again, um, you know, or potentially where um, you know we're throttled or somehow Facebook or YouTube decides that we're no longer. Um, suitable content for their platform, that kind of thing. All right, so watch out for that. And good, thanks for all checking in there. You're welcome. And we'll see you again in the morning.